Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. So, do you want marketing made simple? Shopify removes the guesswork with built-in tools that help you create, execute, and analyze all your online marketing campaigns. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com income, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com income now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com income. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. My first response to the musical and, you know, to people talking about it is I feel proud of being from Argentina mm. and uh, having a little bit of my the history of my country being told worldwide when someone says, oh, you're from Argentina. Don't cry for me, Argentina. I feel good inside. Like, ah. Oh. And a lot of people, that's the only one of the few things they know about my country. Guilty. Welcome, everybody, to a musical theater podcast where we discuss the cultural and emotional impact of some of our favorite musicals in theater history. My name is Jeffrey Scott Parsons. You can call me Jeff. Today, we are talking about the musical Evita with someone who is not only talented and handsome, but also born and raised in Argentina. The perfect guest. Ladies and gentlemen, it is Javier Manente. Hello. Thank you. That was a very good gringo hello. <laughs> like, yes. Hello. I have been. Do you want me to do an accent? I can do an <laughs> accent if you want me to. No, please don't. Don't give pity. This is how I speak. Um, I'm sure you'll be um, hearing the accent eventually. <laughs> so diving right into it, born and raised. When I know you went to college in the U.S. Is that when you moved to the U.S.? And then yes. when did you go to Mexico? Because that's where you are now. I am so in many Mexico questions. right now. Yes. Um, so I was born in Neuquén. It's a small city. Ooh, where's that? Uh, south of Argentina in the Patagonia region oh. of Argentina. Awesome. Um, so the only thing I know about Patagonia is that at Epcot, at Walt Disney World, they had these amazing empanadas during the yes, wine, that's my fe- favorite the food and food, wine festival. Actually, empanadas are my favorite food. 
Okay, I legit. love cooking. <laughs> so I make a mean empanada. Oh, different jealous. flavors too. Yeah, sure. Not just sweet. I gotta say, calabaza my favorite. Ah,、oh, yeah. I I preferred、um, ground beef. Okay.、Mm-hmm. Argentina, known for the cows. Yeah. Yeah. Yes.、Um, okay. So I was so, born there. Yes. Uh, and I moved to Pittsburgh in Pennsylvania when I was 18, and I started studying musical theater. I have a BFA from Point Park University. So, did you、and、find the art form in your home country, or yes? Like, when did you start getting into it? Yes, there was a small school of musical theater in Neuquén, the only <laughs> school of musical theater、sure. in Neuquén, and I I went there, but it was very amateur. And when I was seventeen, I was in the last year of high school. I was in my senior year.、Um, I got a scholarship to go to a summer dance intensive in Pittsburgh. And when I was there, they gave me a scholarship to be a student in in the regular program in, the, in their、uh, musical theater. That's、um, amazing. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. So then, the very next day, I moved. The very next day, the very next year, I moved. <laughs> I was ready to move. The very you're like, next I am、day. done. I was ready, but no.、Um, I went back to Argentina, finished high school, and then I went、um, and did college in the U.S. Cool. And after cool. that, I lived two years between New York City and Pittsburgh, working here and there. A lot of regional、um, theaters. Got my equity card, and then. They called me from Mexico to come do Les Misérables, the new Macintosh production. So I've been living here since 2018. Wow! Yeah, that's cool. And how are how are things in Mexico right now with everything that's been going on the past year and a half? They are looking up. Things are looking、Good. up. I'm already registered to get my vaccine, so I hope、nice. in the next couple of weeks, maybe the next month. To get vaccinated. Well, once again, so happy to have you here. Thank I'm you. I'm so happy that you contacted me to do this episode. <laughs> I'm thrilled. My pleasure. Now, I gotta be honest. I don't know a lot about Argentina. Growing up, I knew essentially two things. Number one, my sister served a mission for our church in Bahia Blanca. Bahia Blanca.、And、I have family there. Do you really? Yes. Awesome. How beautiful、funny. city. Go figure. Very、yeah. cold. Oh, really? Yeah. In the See, winter, so just... cold. And you guys are close to Antarctica. I always,、yes. I think we forget that. Yeah. So I'm. It can get chilly, and then,、uh, but not Chile. Number two thing I knew about Argentina was Evita. So, and I'm totally aware that this is a very narrow viewpoint into what I have no doubt is a rich and vast history. That being said, I just kind of want to know: Are the Perones, in terms of Juan and Eva? Really, that big of a deal to be considered, at least by me, one of the historic landmarks of the entire country. Absolutely. Okay. Yes. Yes. They were bigger before, you know,、mm-hmm. towards the end of the forties, fifties,、uh, but but they're still a very、uh, important part of our history, and people still talk about them today. So, like, you grow up, and it's part of the history books. A- yes. Pretty yes. legit. Yes, and, and a how- big part of it. And what does Argentina think of the musical? Like better, worse, or about the same as Thailand and the King and I? <laughs> well, <laughs>、um, we actually don't do Evita that much in Argentina. We have our own version of 
uh, The Life of Eva Perón. It's called... Gasp, really? Uh-huh. It's called Eva, El Gran Musical Argentino, The Great Argentinian Musical. They were like, we'll show you Andrew Lloyd Webber. Exactly. Because, you know, Andrew Lloyd Webber and Tim Rice took the opposition view of her doings, you know, of her of her lives and the and the political views. Just like they did with Jesus Christ Superstar, taking Absolutely. Judas's point of view. So and which I love. But mm-hmm. uh in our version it's the sanctification of Evita. I like both musicals. I I saw both live and I think they're both very good. But yeah, they're very different. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, definitely when Nacha Guevara and Alberto Favero are the composers and creators of this other musical, uh, the Argentinian version, and yeah, they're very Peronists. So it, they they glorify her and that political view. And where do you stand? Are you a Peronist? Well, <laughs> that's a complicated matter. I'm of course. Not really. Well, well, yeah. And that is kind of the thing about politics, right? Is like it, yeah. It's a... Here's the thing about Argentinian politics: everyone is bad. <laughs> so I'm like, <laughs> yeah. You when when I vote, I vote for the least worse. <laughs> sure. You know, it, there's not a better. It's just a big mess. Wow. So I, I think the Perones had a lot of good things that did they did for our country, but also a lot of things that I don't agree with. Well, I feel like we all feel that way about our government. Yeah, at some we point. agree with some things, and we are not very happy about others. So that's it's where I the... stand, like in no, the middle. That, that's great. Thank you for for sharing that. And I think that is one of the reasons why Evita is such a fascinating musical and really explores themes that are kind of unmatched in musical theater. It it talks about what kind of person would ever want to do this, right? What kind of person would ever want to become a political leader with all the crap that comes along with it? You right. have to have this mixture of sincerely wanting to do good and also totally being okay with wanting power and then also being realistic about how much lasting change that power can even create. It, it, they're really complex themes that I don't really know are found in many other musicals. Right. Um, I also want to go on record saying Evita's probably my favorite Andrew Lloyd Webber score? Question yeah. mark? It's really complex and it's exciting. It's so and... difficult to yeah. sing as a, as a performer. I, I'm sure you can agree with that. It's so yes. hard, especially for the leading lady. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. I'm sure it's... we're going to get to this, but Pat Lupone had a lot of voice issues with Pretty it. Pretty much everybody know? has. Yeah. Cue everybody shooting in my DMs about who didn't have problems singing the score. But in general, <laughs> this uh, this score is very challenging to sing eight times a week. Right. Uh, have you done it? I haven't. Can you okay. believe that? That seems I was, crazy. <laughs> I was cast to do Che in a production in New Orleans. New Orleans? New Orleans? Oh, cool. I don't know. How, how do you pronounce You can that? say either. Okay. So New Orleans. Or either. Um, <laughs> but then COVID happened, so that got oh, canceled. Oh, shoot. So, yeah. Oh, I was going to go. as if COVID couldn't take enough from us. It I took know. away my chance to It took Che. It took away all of the YouTube clips of you singing Che. <laughs> I'm yeah. so sorry. I think there is sense. one floating around the interwebs of me singing High Flying Adored for when I was in university. So if you really want to hear me sing that, I'm sure you can find it. Yeah, (laughs) That's amazing. But yeah, I have never done it. 
never done it. I would love to. I think I'm still a little young. Sure. I mean, depending on how they cast it, right? Right, right. I sang Che once for like a benefit. Mm -hmm. So it was like a one night thing. We're standing, you know, with music. And you but like there are so many times in which Che just has to pick a no out of the air. Out of nowhere. You know, just like Mm -hmm. out of nowhere. And so you better believe I had that conductor like bell tone. (laughs) Because I'm like, I don't have time to memorize this. Right. We're just going to we're going to work with a strong bell tone. But yes, it is a it is a super complex score. Yeah, it was the idea, however, of Tim Rice. Tim Rice, lyricist. Yes. He was listening to the radio, and they had a special about the life of Eva Peron, and then he came up with the idea. He absolutely loved it, and then he went to Andrew Lloyd Webber and said, "We have to do a musical about this." And Andrew Lloyd Webber says that one of the reasons he was drawn to it was in 1970s England, which is when they started writing it, the economy was in the trash. Like inflation was super, super high. And the government went through several leaders from different political parties. And in his opinion, none of them were super effective, but often got to power by convincing the working class they were looking out for them. Right. And and look, Sir Andrew Lloyd Webber probably isn't the greatest representation of the working class, but that was kind of one of his ins for exploring the Perones. I didn't know that. That's according to his autobiography. Okay. Tim Rice didn't seem to be really interested in anything other than the emotional complexities of this. Right. He says person. that he says that it's not a political story, but more right. more a uh, Cinderella story. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now. Tim Rice and Android Webber at this point had already created the mini version of Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. That is without the Megamix at the end. Uh, <laughs> they had also created Jesus Christ Superstar, which had become a big, big hit as a concept album right. and, a th- and a theatrical, like a stage production in London. The Broadway version hadn't gone as well as they had wanted. Mm-hmm. So when they created Evita... Lloyd Webber was basically hoping to create the concept album, right? Get a bunch of people into a studio to record all of the music and then jump straight to making a movie. He kind of wanted to to not do the stage production at all. It wasn't until the Prince of Broadway himself, Hal Prince, signed on that he got really excited about it being in the theater. For what I heard, um, mm-hmm. they they sent him the, the music. They sent... Hal Prince the music and he was so busy at the time and he couldn't do it um, that's why it it took so long from the release of the album to the first stage production because mm. they wanted Prince to direct it and produce it yeah he was so, busy doing Sweeney Todd and who knows caught, what else uh, yeah um, 20th century on the 20th century Oh, yeah. that's a great show now we've talked about Hal Prince so much, but truly, I believe this show Evita wouldn't have worked on stage without him because there is so much going on musically, some of which isn't always super easy to hear, and the choices that he made visually allowed the audience to follow along, even if they didn't necessarily understand, understand words, yeah. every word that was being belted at them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So we love Hal Prince. It's why I'm wearing my She Loves Me shirt because he directed what? She Loves Me along with Company and Follies and Phantom of the Opera and all a bunch of other things. Uh, He directs the London production, which stars the incredible Elaine Page. She becomes the toast of the town. But this is also when Android Webber realizes 
he may have written a role that's impossible to perform. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> because even even she starts having uh, problems doing it mm-hmm. eight shows a week. So they they hire an alternate to do like matinees. Um, and that is kind of the tradition that has been followed for the most part ever since. Still, the show's a, a big hit. And with Hal Prince behind it, it, of course, is going to go to Broadway, even though Broadway infamously hates Andrew Lloyd Webber, which I really feel bad about. Like, I love Mer- Andrew Lloyd Webber. I do. Look, I love him. Like, every score. There is a lot to really, really enjoy about him and his intelligence and the way that he's able to infuse the classical world with the pop world. It's it's pretty extraordinary. Yeah. It what is. is your favorite? Um... I love Jesus Christ Superstar. Mm-hmm. What's the buzz? Tell me what's happening. I know. I know. And, and especially with the new orchestrations mm. that are happening. Oh, that rock sound. Nobody knows their way around an orchestra like Andrew Lloyd Webber. Exactly. Yes. And all you have to do is go to the Vita score to realize that. Yep. He was really inspired, I believe, by a, a certain harp in Argentinian music. Mm. You know, for the for the whatever lack of authentic uh, <laughs> South um, American okay. music found right. in the show, there are like these little uh, instruments and orchestrations that he found uh-huh. really There's inspiring. There's a little tango here and there, and the little sure. chacarera, and some. What is that? Uh, it's uh, what um, what part of the song? I'm, in the in the revival version uh-huh. is more clear than in the original one. But it's it's like a classical Argentinian dance and and music style. Okay, cool. Say it one more time. Chacarera. Yeah. I'll have to check that out. <laughs> Get it? <laughs> uh, the show goes to Broadway. Yeah. Actors Equity, the the union says they can't bring over the London leads, so Elaine Page doesn't get cast, even though at that point I believe she was with Tim Rice, and Patty Lapone gets hired. Yes. Now. Patty Lapone has said that Evita was the worst thing to happen to her career, which, when put in perspective, feels a little histrionic. <laughs> it is. I think it helped her to be who she is today. No, I mean, like, serving 20 years in prison for having marijuana. Maybe that would be the worst thing to happen to your Broadway career. Still... Still, I I totally understand what she's... Let her be be dramatic. (laughs) She has all the feelings. Still, the role showcased her in this one light as like a complex, powerful woman. And the entertainment industry didn't know what to do with that at all. Right. And so post-Evita, people were like, well, you're Evita. That's great. But we we don't know what to do with you. Uh, She was also getting notes from Android Webber constantly about her diction that he couldn't understand what she was saying or singing. And when you read both of their autobiographies, both Patty's and Andrew's, you think like these people should never work together again. And then they did. <laughs> they did again. They did Sunset Boulevard together like 12 years and that's later. How it and it went. was an even bigger it, disaster. It, it was worse. Yeah. <laughs> Listen to our Sunset Boulevard episode, people. I love Patty. Patty's my favorite actress. Musical really? actress. Yeah. I saw her in Warpaint. Oh, how did you like that? I liked it. I don't know. I love musical theater. There you go. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, I, I went to see it because I wanted to see her live doing a show. You know, I didn't well, care you... that much for the show. I just wanted to see her belt. And But I actually have a, a story about this whole thing called Evita. When I was doing Oklahoma in Merry-Go-Round, the musical that was happening after Oklahoma was From Here to Eternity. 
with lyrics by Tim Rice. And he was there. He was in that theater, in those rehearsal rooms. And I had my record record of Evita, you know, the, the big... Like your LP sort of thing? Yeah. So uh, one day <laughs> I went to the rehearsals for From Here to Eternity. And I said to Tim Rice, hi, <laughs> you don't know me. <laughs> my name is Javier. I am from Argentina and I've been living in the US for six years. And every time, well, you know, I do musical theater. So every time I talk to someone and I say I'm from Argentina, they raise their hands to the sky and they say, don't cry for me, Argentina. <laughs> and I think it's so funny that you wrote that. <laughs> Could you please sign this? <laughs> and and he signed my, my record and he put like all best wishes for Javier, I don't know. It's Aww, it's that's there. Some, I, I know. And I took that record to Warpaint with me that night. Oh, yes. Stop it. Because I wanted Padalupone's signature on it too. Wait, does it? Yes, absolutely. So I pull out the record, you know, at the stage door. This is that now we're at Warpaint. You are my favorite actress. Please sign this. And she started talking to me, you know, for about two minutes. It felt like an eternity, but about how she loves, how much she loves Tim Rice because she saw the signature, the autograph right next to her. Yeah. So currently that record is in London getting signed by Andrew Lloyd Webber because I worked with, yeah, the music director for Les Miserables (laughs) here in Mexico works with Andrew. Um, He was from London and he works with Andrew a lot. So he has it and I think he already signed it. So now my Evita record has Tim Rice's Patty's and Andrew Lloyd Webber's signature. And that's that's the funny story. <laughs> that's not... Okay, so you, you said, like, it was going to be a funny story. That's, <laughs> that's like, an incredible story. <laughs> I know, I know. That's so cool. Oh, my gosh. I can't wait to see the... you Once you get it back... Yeah, I have pictures of you the, take... the Tim and Patty's signature, not, not okay. Webber's yet. Once you get it back, you got to send a picture to me. <laughs> I will. Because that's will. the coolest thing ever. Okay. So when the show opens on Broadway, it opens to okay reviews. It was new and super different and people honestly didn't know what to think of it. But they had this really smart marketing campaign and started doing TV commercials. Yes. And it totally like piques everyone's interest and it becomes a huge hit and runs for, I think, four years. Yes. And it created, alongside Sweeney Todd, the mega musicals. Sure. You know, oh, totally. Yeah, yeah, Those yeah. Were, were the first. Now, let's talk a little bit about the Broadway season that Evita was a part of. So this is like, ooh, I'm looking at my Tony Award book. It's like 1979. No. Oh, is it 80? 1980. 80 Just or kidding. 81? 80s, it's, 80s. It's technically 1980. Yeah. yeah. It opened in 79, but the, Tony, right. the Tonys was exactly. were in the 80s. So in the 1980 Tony season, the shows up for Best Musical were A Day in Hollywood, A Night in Ukraine, which is kind of an ode to classic cinema. Doesn't get done very often, but has a few cute songs. I'm Uh, sure if it was nominated for a Tony. Well, that's not always the case, but... But it really does. And it won Priscilla Lopez, her Tony Award. Uh, Priscilla Lopez from A Chorus Line, of course. Also, that season, Barnum, which was the Cy Coleman version of the P.T. Barnum story. Yeah. A lot of things in that show I actually prefer over The Greatest Showman. So if you don't know Barnum, go check that one out. Evita, which won, 
And then Sugar Babies, which is an ode to burlesque and vaudeville right. uh, starring Mickey Rooney and Ann Miller. If anybody knows anyone who is in Sugar Babies, I need stories about those two working together. Because you know. I'm sure you'll find someone who knows someone who was in the show or who knew someone in the show, you know. I'm obsessed with Ann Miller. Her life story is both tragic and inspiring and zany. Like, what a woman. That was the Tony Award season that year. Mm -hmm. Evita really walks away with everything, right. uh, I think surprising most critics, and it becomes this phenomenon. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about that phenomenon. Shall we go through the show? Yeah. All right. I'm really excited. It's a really beautiful beginning because it starts in a, in a, like a movie theater in Buenos Aires on the 26th of July in 1952. Yes. And the people are in the movie theater watching one of her movies. Her movies. Yeah. And then the movie gets Stops. interrupted yeah. mm -hmm. and the announcement is that she's died. And then that yes. kind of evolves into this requiem for Evita. A requiem, once again, being a, a classical tradition mm -hmm. in which you, you compose something for someone's death. You know, Evita's funeral for our country, historically speaking, was the most important funeral in Argentina. I think wow. it's still the most important funeral in Argentina. The people mourned for 16 days. Wow. So that funeral lasted 16 days and millions of millions of people wanted to see the, the body. You know, wanted to pay their respects and, and say goodbye to her. This musical really makes her out to be kind of a polarizing figure. And I guess maybe she was, but when you tell me that millions of people went to go see her funeral, you know what I mean? Yeah, half of the country hated her, and like, but, but the but other truly half have? loved her. Yeah, I mean, you think it really was kind of split down the middle? Yes. Wow. Yes, there's a there's a very uh, pronounced gap between the people who loved her and Peron and the whole political sure. that political view and the people who hated her. Wow. Still, yeah, but 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 it was so big that Halprins suggested that they should start with that and then go back and start telling her her story. Yeah. Now, out of this morning, we meet kind of our narrator, right? Joseph and the Amazing Technical Dreamcoat, uh, <laughs> named Che. And che, originally, right. originally Tim Rice thought this was going to be like Che Guevara. Right. right, and and in the original versions, it is dressed like How Che Guevara, is, and yeah. yeah, but they never met. Evita and Che in real life never met. They had very different political views, and they lived around the same time, but they never met. So he was from Argentina. He had this idea to make an insecticide and submitted the patent to to get the copyright to make mm -hmm. his business, and it gets shut down. And so Tim Rice thought, like, oh, maybe that was the impetus for him going so full force into this revolutionary side. Mm -hmm. And they write this whole subplot in Evita about his insecticide, which, spoiler alert, gets cut because nobody yeah, I, really I, wants I to know. hear that. <laughs> I, I didn't even know that part of the story. <laughs> but yeah, but that but that was the idea. It was like, okay, what turned this Argentinian farmer into this revolutionary person? Right. What's his motivation to question everything? Exactly, exactly. So by having those two figures representing the polarizing view of this whole political dynamic. Right. Um, 
I, I think because, like you said, they never actually met, mm-hmm. and uh, it's a pretty far stretch. Traditionally now, Che just becomes kind of an everyman, a representation right. for the voices that criticize the Perones, in terms of the working class, at least. So we in Argentina, when we want to say hey to someone or, or you know, call their attention, hey, we say Che. Oh. Che, do you want to go to get pizza? Or Che, oh. do you want to drink some mate? <laughs> so, yeah, that's why, that's why the name Che is now an everyman. How cool. Yeah. So Che comes forward from the crowd and starts to sing Oh, What a Circus. Great song. Oh, my gosh. Great song. Calling upon the mourners and saying, This is all a show. Yeah, you esteemed the wrong person. You thought she was this immortal god. And did you need more proof than the fact that she just died? Right. So where's your hopes now? That is, like you said, brings us into the history of Ava's life. History in quotes. (laughs) (laughs) So now help me out. This part is definitely true. She was born into a family in which the father had two different families and hers was the forgotten one. Right. her, Her father was married to someone else not her mother. So she and her, I think it was six or four brothers and sisters, siblings, um, they were all illegitimate. Mm-hmm. Illegitimate. The accent came out there. Good. <laughs> it's a cute accent. Don't apologize. So, yeah, and they were very poor. Mom. And then the father died and they were poorer. <laughs> sure. So then her mother started working as a seamstress somewhere in Los Toldos, where she was born. And then when they had a little more money, they moved to Junin in the Buenos Aires province. And that's where she goes to school. Evita goes to school and starts wanting to be an actress. Now, in the United States, we talk a lot about the American dream, right? That anybody can come from anywhere and the streets are paved with gold, you know, sort of thing. Right. This ambition of Miss Eva Duarte to escape poverty and 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 not just escape poverty but like make it better yeah and 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 get but not just her poverty everyone's sure sure i guess what i'm trying to say is is that a common thing in argentina too where you feel like you have the ambition and the things are in place in order to climb out of poverty or do you just kind of accept where you are i think for that time it was common but not too many people knew how to do it. Mm-hmm. But there was a lot of prosperity at that time. Yes. And so she it saw it up. and wanted to get it. It was getting better and better and better. Yes. Because the thing is, in Android Weber musicals, the role of women is either virginal or whore. Like, that's kind of it. You're either Mary Magdalene and you're stained from your sexual exploits or you're Christine Daae. And you are virginal and need to be saved. And Ava, I think, could fall a little bit more into like the Mary Magdalene approach, which is like she's this fallen woman. She grabs at everything in order to reach her ambitions. But I think the more nuanced approach is that she was incredibly smart in realizing where her power lay as a as a woman at this time. She's gorgeous. She knows that people watch movies, and she also knows 
how to surround herself with powerful men that right. might help her uh, get to where she wants to go. And do what she wants to do. Yeah, exactly. And one of the first people that she meets in the musical is Magaldi. It's this right. uh, the singer. Tango singer. Which also, it's unclear if she actually dated him. Really? Yeah. Hmm. But Magaldi was a very famous tango singer at the moment. So I think, we're again, we're using someone um, to tell the story, you know. Fair enough. And speaking about the character, she saw in Magaldi a ticket to leave her small town and go to the big city. To Buenos Aires. And she said, okay, let's go. I'm yeah. going to, you know, sleep with him and flirt with him so he can take me to Buenos Aires. We, I, I think we vilify women for doing that, but we certainly don't vilify men who sleep with beautiful women in order to make themselves look good. You know what I mean? Like there is right. there is 100% a, a double standard there about mm. the give and take in relationships and in, in particularly in uh, in sexual relationships. It's a, it's a complex thing, but suffice it to say, she gets to Buenos Aires and in the musical, she drops Magaldine's like, peace, thanks so much, bye. Thank you for bringing me here. Yeah, and they, then she starts dating a movie director and a radio owner, and she starts doing movies, and she starts doing plays mm. in the radio. Like Those radio plays, very, totally. Radio plays. Those were very popular at that point. So she starts getting famous. I, I have to say that going back to Buenos Aires, which is an amazing yeah. number. Um, it is. So, so cool. It's also one of the few times in musical theater where the leading lady is dancing her butt off. Yes. You know what I mean? There's this tradition, yes. and Larry Fuller was the choreographer, where he would have Ava start the choreography and then everyone else would follow her, like maybe four counts behind. So as to prove that Ava is the one leading... Leading... Uh, leading all of these people and being on the forefront of what is new, what is hot, what is uh, trendy. And it's really exciting. It's so fun to watch a, a star performer really take on this number. Yes. And also, while dancing, belt as high as you can. Belting her brains out. <laughs> the whole song is not just one note towards the end. It's the whole song. It starts with a C. What's new? Yeah. <laughs> Gosh, the, dang the, it. Yeah. So when you start there, you have to go up. Crazy. That's so crazy. Yeah. So like you said, she starts dating other people. This gives way to this good night and thank you song in which yes. Che kind of comments on the fact that she has all of these relationships for a multitude of reasons. Right. Right. And uh, I, I do love Tim Rice's work in this show, but particularly in this song, there is no one, no one at all. Do you want it? Yeah, please go for it. There is no one, no one at all, never has been and never will be a lover, male or female, who hasn't an eye on. In fact, they rely on tricks they can try on their partner. They're hoping their lover will help them or keep them, support them, promote them. Don't blame her. You're the same. I mean, look, he just said it better in a song than I did talking for like two and a half minutes. <laughs> so thank you, Tim Rice. Okay. What's next? She meets Peron, right? Yeah. Uh, well, we meet Peron. Oh, right? Because right. now it's the art of the possible. Once again, really interesting staging. Traditionally, there are all these rocking chairs. 
and the political leaders, particularly I think military leaders, come out and rock these chairs back and forth. And throughout the number, each one goes away, kind of like in a musical chair sort of game, until Perón is the only one there. And I could not tell you how the art of the possible goes or what the words are, but that image, once again, is so effective for helping us understand how Perón eliminated all of his enemies or all of his, I I guess, competition in order to become the guy in charge. Yes. So now there's this charity concert, and this is the first time where Perón and Eva meet. And there was an earthquake in San Juan, one of the provinces, and they did did this charity ball in uh, 1944, you know, to raise money for the victims of the earthquake. And that's where she met Perón. That's so interesting. I didn't know about the earthquake. This scene is surprisingly good for me no i it this (laughs) (laughs) um it's actually really sweet and hot and intimate there's often a paso doble sort of thing that's happening while they meet to show uh these these two people coming together it's a it's a beautiful scene and essentially eva says to Juan Perón, hey, I admire you. And he's like, you admire me. I admire you. And she's like, well, guess what? I think we could be really useful to each other. So shall we? (laughs) Yep. And he says, we shall. (laughs) And after that, we go to his house. Right. Ava needing to kick out who he was with in the first place, which, (laughs) which was this mistress. There are so many moments in the show that honestly feel like they exist so that you can have a before and after like almost a karmic turn on itself and this is the first one another suitcase in another hall which is what the Perón's mistress sings about like what happens to me now I was you know with one of the most powerful people in the country and now and now what what do I do and that is coming out of Ava kicking her to the street so then later on in the show there's going to be a reprise of this song and it's going to be the reverse, where now Ava's asking what happens now. I, I really do feel like that's kind of the only reason that this song exists. But it's a beautiful one. <laughs> it is. Now, as always is the case with climbing the ladder to success, if you were not born into privilege, if you climb and fight for your piece of that privilege, the people who are born with that privilege are going to be very unhappy about it. That's right. That is, that's a human condition, people. And, <laughs> and it's not one that we should be very proud of. Happens everywhere. Such is the case in Argentina, which Ava is climbing the ladder of success, and she's really making all of the aristocratic population very unhappy about it. That's where we see the gap I was talking about earlier. Mm. The rich people who really didn't like her. And then we meet the descamisados or the working class and the, the, the poor who loved her. In this song, Perón's Latest Flame, this is a line that the aristocratic class sings. Installing a girl in the army HQ and she's an actress, the last straw. Her only good parts are between her thighs. She should stare at the ceiling, not reach for the skies. Ah! 
Right. Because Terrible. let us not forget that it is the 40s, the Fair late enough. 40s. So being an actress is not no, it, something that it's pretty close you're to being a prostitute. Of. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there was a time yes. when the entertainment industry was looked upon as degrading, as yeah. p- popular as it was. Exactly, it they was looked loved down upon. Movies and theater and everything, but your child they... wouldn't do it. Uh-huh. <laughs> no, 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 never. So much to the aristocrats' dismay, Ava keeps gaining more and more power, and this comes to a climax right here at the end of Act One with a new Argentina, which is like full on rock song. Yes. <laughs> Which we love. We love to see I Ava get on the radio and belt good... her brains out. Yeah. <laughs> now, why at this point, if the country was going so well, why were they fighting for a new Argentina? Well, unions started getting created. So the power went to the working class. Right. That's the the new Argentina we're talking about. You know, um, the the power is now going from the the rich people to the working class, thanks to Perón. And what better than a woman who literally came from the poorest of conditions to stand next to Juan Perón and say, I get it. I am you. You are me. Let's do this. And she she was the first woman to ever, public woman, to ever talk about politics because it was... If if a woman spoke about politics at that point in history, it was considered not feminine. Oh, that's so, so true. Women shouldn't. They 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 couldn't vote in Argentina. We'll they get, couldn't. We'll get uh, women. No, up until fifty one, <gasps> the elections of fifty one, nineteen fifty one, when she fought against that, and and women first voted in those elections thanks to Eva Perón. She was already in her deathbed when she cast her vote for Perón. Full body chill is going to cry right now. Yeah. That's yes. not in the musical. Well, well, not in this musical. Maybe it's it in is the in other the, one. It is in the Argentinian one, for <laughs> sure. There's a whole scene when she is in her deathbed and she's casting her vote and then the, they, the actors freeze and then on the screen behind, there's the picture, the actual picture of Eva voting for the first and last time in the hospital room. Oh my god. It's and you cry every time. Of course. You cry. Yeah. That's incredible. But yes. I hadn't even considered this. Like in the nineteen fifties, even in like T V and film, the men will retire to like the smoking room to talk about politics and then the women right. have to like go to the kitchen and, and discuss ladies' home journal Recipes. or you know, whatever. But right. they they're not allowed to be part of the conversation. And here she is exactly. publicly speaking and using the radio. She was the president of the Radio Association of Argentina. She founded it. She was a founder, one of the founders and, and president of the Radio Association of Argentina. So she used that to her favor to speak about politics. Whatever and, she wanted. You know, promote promote uh, Perón's um, campaign. Like and agenda. Right. Holy cow, this woman. Yeah powerhouse so you ask me if she was important that's how we started i'm telling you yes she was <laughs> yeah it's not just a cultural phenomenon like there is meat behind all history. of these yeah. claims wowzers this is so cool i'm so glad you're here um and you can agree with their political view or you can disagree but you can't deny that she did good things 
for a country she and and Peron's government got some stuff done jeez yeah. very very cool all right so now act 2 starts little story for you here okay have you ever seen the movie Judy with Renée Zellweger yes i have the whole story revolves around Judy Garland's last set of concerts that were happening in London in London right and she was, of course, suffering from addiction and uh, depression and all sorts of things and uh, stage fright. Apparently, Andrew Lloyd Webber himself was at one of those performances. Crazy. And it was one of the performances where she showed up 40 minutes late and totally hammered and went out on stage and started kind of warbling her way through somewhere over the rainbow and people were throwing food and booing at her. And it mm-hmm. was this moment that really imprinted in his mind of someone who has this song that makes them a star, that makes them a legend, that is so hopeful, and then all of these years later is tragically kind of signaling their demise. And when he began to write Evita, he wanted to create one of those songs for Ava. And the song that came out of that whole desire is... Don't Cry For Me, Argentina, which is how the second act begins. It's kind of an unusual beginning of a second act, to be honest. Very still. Uh, but it all takes place at the Casa Rosada, right? Right. In the balcony of the Casa Rosada. And this would be like the White House, but the Pink House. Right. Oh, by the way, at this point, Perón won the election. Perón is president now, and she is the first lady. Um, but that's where all the political speeches took place. And so Perón comes out and is, you know, everyone's chanting, Perón, Perón. He gives his speech, but they actually want to hear more from Eva than anybody. Right. Enter this gorgeous blonde woman in in her huge white dress. Uh, to give and jewels everywhere. Just decked out to the yes. nines, as she says. A lot of blonde people in Argentina, right? Yes. I mean, I don't... I don't. You're blondish. It, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. My hair is a little wet right now, so that's why <laughs> it doesn't look as blonde, but yeah. We have a lot of European immigrants. So why do you think she went blonde? I'm not sure. Do you think it's a class thing? Um, it's interesting and complex because it is all about image. Image is a very powerful thing. She obviously knows that by, you know, being in movies and media right. in general. And there is kind of like this, at least visually, these steps that she keeps taking to appear more European. Right. Yes. It, it's very possible. It is very possible. Yes. These are all suppositions, but like they're pretty obvious. Now, I, I don't think she was that blonde. Like, our image of Eva from the musical. I don't think she was bleached, almost right. white. Mm-hmm. I think it was more like my color. Okay. But maybe they took that liberty in the musical to make her... I'm a saint. I'm mm. wearing a white dress. So my hair is lighter. My skin is very pale. Yeah. Maybe that's why. And where <laughs> is she getting all these jewels from? Well, she's the first lady. She has to look incredible. So she's playing the part. Yeah, she's playing the part. I personally think she liked it. Of course she did. Even though she says, oh, 
This is just a costume I'm wearing. Right. This is not who I am. Had sixes they and want sevens me to with you. It. They are uh, exactly. They want me to wear the jewels and 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 the dress and the makeup and the hair. But this is not who I am. I am one of you. So don't cry for me, Argentina. Exactly. But then she turns around and she says, "Look at that. They're all chanting for me. Right. They love me." So we see the other part of her. I have which a hard, I think it's I, also true. Yeah, I mean, I have a hard time believing that it's just that. She knows she looks good. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Who wouldn't want to be wearing that beautiful dress? And there's the saying that absolute power corrupts absolutely. So, like, when you do get a taste of this, when is enough enough and when is it not? And it seems like what the second act starts to explore is she never gets enough. From right. here on out, she wants to put Argentina and the Perons on the map. They need right. to be as popular as any government, as any public figure in the world. Worldwide, yes. We also have Che, who's commenting on all of this, singing High Flying Adored, which is a, a beautiful song. Gorgeous. High Flying Adored, what happens now? Where do you go from here? For someone on top of the world, the view's not exactly clear. Right. A shame you did it all at 26. There are no mysteries now. Nothing can thrill you. No one fulfill you. It's like she's living with her foot to the pedal. You wonder if on some level she knew her life was going to be short, you know? Because right. uh, crazy to believe she's only 26. And also, you achieved what you wanted. You are the most important and powerful woman in the country. Now what? Now what? Europe, the world. Yeah, exactly. Thus begins the Rainbow Tour. Which, which was, uh, she, she went to Europe, to a lot of cities in Europe. It was called the Rainbow Tour because she was talking about world peace and human rights. You know, that's, what, that's why it was called the Rainbow Tour. But the song is called the Rainbow Tour too, right? Absolutely. Am I correct? Yeah. Yep, yep, you're absolutely right. And before that, we have Rainbow High. Rainbow High. People, if you want to go down a fun little uh, rabbit hole, go on YouTube and just watch all of the women who have sung Rainbow High. It's like one of my favorite things to do because there are so <laughs> many incredible singers just absolutely killing Rainbow High. Uh, it's a hard song as well. It's Well, I mean, everything she sings in the show is but like, hard. One of the best key changes in all of musical theater, yes. right? It's so great. <laughs> And so you got like Florence Lacey, you got Lonnie Ackerman, so many uh, amazing women. I'm going to play one now for us. Yes. Who? This is Mandy Gonzalez from In the Heights fame. Yes. I'm picking her number one. She's Latina, uh, which is unusual for Evita. And number two, not only does she do this crazy key change, she does it on one breath. Okay. I'm excited. Yeah. Let's hear it. She's just messing around, you know, with Seth Rudetsky on the keys, and this is what of happened. Of course.
Oh my gosh, Mandy Gonzalez killing it. Oh, Isn't that insane? That oh. gave me life. Chills, chills, chills. <laughs> yes. I just love that she was like, yeah, it's a it's a hard key change, but watch this. Here you go. I'm not going to breathe. <laughs> <laughs> Once again, great Tim Rice lyrics. Uh, I'm their savior. That's what they call me. So Lauren Bacall me. Oh my gosh. Such Anything great, goes, such great yeah. lyrics. The Rainbow Tour, successful, not successful? I think yes, for the most part. For what she needed, yes. Maybe it felt short. You know how it ends on how she's mad at... What country is it? Uh, She's in Italy. And they didn't receive her as she wanted. Right. And then she got mad. The tour ends early, and one of the things that they keep saying in the musical is like, it's a great success, and it's not a success. And it's a great success, and it's not a success. I mean, she says that it's a success, and you know the people that like her, and then Che comes in and says, well, is it? Yeah, for all the money it costs to get you everywhere, and then to have some people like not even receive you, is that entirely a success? And it also takes a big toll on her physically. I mean, it's exhausting, right, these types of tours, and so she starts feeling uh, low energy and isn't sure why. Exactly. Then we find out why. So she finds out that she actually is very ill. Um, It is cancer. This is what is so beautiful about this show, is that with everything that she's done, when you are approached with death at, number one, such a young age, but I guess really at any age, you can't help but think, did I do everything that I could? And I think that's when we start seeing a really vulnerable side of her, because she realizes her power comes with a limit. Right. But still ambitious. Because yeah. she wants to run for vice president. Alongside Juan Perón, right? As, yes. That's and then incredible. Uh, he, he, he tells her, you're dying. Mm-hmm. You are sick and you're going to die. And she says, then we can use that to our advantage. We can say we are dying and people are going to feel bad for me. And then they're going to vote for us. Hot dang girl. (laughs) She used everything in her power. She wanted to use everything in her power to get more and more and more. If this cancer is going to kill me, then it's also going to get me the freaking vice presidency. But then it doesn't happen. No, she's too sick. She's too sick. But she, uh, in the meantime, she starts a charity, which is another point of controversy. The Eva Perón Foundation. Right. Another incredible song. And the money kept rolling in that chasings in the middle of the second act talking about this charity. She is kind of like in a make-a-wish foundation sort of way, yeah. granting wishes to people all over the country. But he's also saying that a lot of the money is going missing and they can't really account for it. Right. Where's the money? Andrew Lloyd Webber, if you read his autobiography, you learn two things about him. Number one he remembers every single review that he's ever been given in his entire career. And number two, he loves time signatures. The crazier, the better. And <laughs> none is more apparent than in this song, and the money kept rolling in. That is that is a crazy time signature. And yet it sounds it just sounds exciting until you try and sing it, and then you're like, oh my gosh, how do I count this thing? <laughs> By memory. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Just feel it. Truly. Once again, to bring some balance to his criticism, 
We've also got this choir of children who are singing a song called Santa, Santa Evita. Santa Evita, right. Alluding to the fact that she's rapidly approaching sainthood from the people who love her most. Yes. I mean, she did amazing things. She built hospitals and schools and shelters for homeless people and the foundation. It's understandable why people consider her a saint. This all comes to a head at the waltz for Che and Eva, mm. in which they face off against each other. I think and, this is the first time in the whole musical where they speak to each other. Right. You're, because you're they, absolutely they right. Because they never address each other directly. You're absolutely right. Up until this point. And it's so satisfying. I think on some level yes. we've, we've felt that, right? And so we've been waiting finally, for it. Yeah, for yeah, yeah. Fight. And it's a dance, you know, uh-huh. which I think is even cooler. I want to just read my favorite verse of this. It's Ava's. She says, allow me to help you slink off to the sidelines to mark your adieu with three cheers, right? She's saying, okay, you're criticizing me. That's awesome. I'm glad you had the spotlight to to say all these critiques. Now uh, you get to go back to your sidelines because that's all you do is stand on the sidelines right. and yell at me. But first tell me who'd be delighted to know that I'd tackle the world's greatest problems from war to pollution, no hope of solution, even if I live for 100 years. I love that verse saying, I know that I can't solve all of the problems in the time that I have here on earth, but that hasn't stopped me from trying. What are you doing? And I'm like, dang, come on, Ava. Right. Then, of course, Che has some criticisms back. He has a, a little spoken section after after this where he says, What's new, Buenos Aires? Your nation, which a few years ago had the second largest gold reserves in the world, is now bankrupt. A country which grew up and grew rich on beef is now rationing it. La Prensa, one of the few newspapers which dared to oppose Peronism, has been silenced and so have all other reasonable voices. I assume that all of these are true. It is. All of that is true. So what happened? How did it go from being so rich to being completely bankrupt and still have this like saint in charge of it all? I'm not asking you as a historian. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> I think it was bad management of the money. Uh, they did all these amazing things. You know, what I just mentioned, the hospitals and the schools and the foundation and but it costs I money. Think they forgot. Aha! Uh-huh. They they forgot that the country needs money to keep thriving. They got blinded by the the attention and the the praise. They forgot about the other part. <laughs> this is really interesting because I think that this is an example of what conservatives in the USA are afraid progressives would do, which is just mm. spend and spend and spend and give away all of the money until there's nothing left. I will say that this is usually where You Must Love Me comes in mm. in in most recent productions, productions yeah. which is the song that was written for the movie, which I'm not really interested in talking about. Are you? Nope. Done. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> Ava's final broadcast. Let's talk about this. So she, uh, at this point in her life, is so sick that she has to withdraw her candidacy to be vice president. And now here is the Somewhere Over the Rainbow moment. This is her opportunity to not only ask 
so what happens now? But to also say to Argentina, don't cry for me. Yeah, the truth I is... I want to tell the people of Argentina. Mm, I am Argentina for now and forever. Yep. That is actually a, um, a political speech that she gave on 17 October 1951. A political speech, a very famous, one of her most famous, that felt like a goodbye. Because mm. her health was deteriorating fast and there's this story she went on a car with Perón because I think it was when he won the second election and she was standing in a car waving you know and claiming victory and they had to build this thing to keep her up because she couldn't even stand up she was so weak they had to build with steel in the car, sort of like a column. Like a full... With, you know, like the alphabet crane? <laughs> <The alphabet. laughs> yeah, kind of like that. You know, it like it grabbed <laughs> the her by the, by the waist. <laughs> right. Grabbed her by the waist and, and kept her up. It's like this superhero suit. Because she wanted to go out and kind of say goodbye. Because that was one of the last times that people saw her. Died at the age of 33. 33. Which the irony or the synchronicity or the coincidence or whatever you want to call it that it's the same age that christ died is certainly not lost on the people who wanted her to be a saint already the end of the show is this lament it's really stunning and at the end of it she sings oh my daughter oh my son understand what i have done and she sings it twice and it's this really reverent solemn plead for like I hope I was good enough which I just think is beautiful and so real yeah and and accepting that she's going to die Che is the one who ends the entire show by saying money was raised to build a tomb a monument to Evita only the pedestal was completed and Evita's body disappeared for 17 years yeah blackout about that and everyone's like what how That's how that? the show ends? <laughs> yes. And it's true. What I thought I remembered reading was that they had a lot of enemies throughout the world. And they were afraid that something was going to happen to her, to her yes. body. Yes. And and when Peron died, it also went from one place to another. And the thing was open. And, I don't know. Kind of a mess. Yeah. So after, uh, this is just a question, mm-hmm. what's the trajectory of Perón's career after Eva dies? Does he stay in office much longer? He remarries Isabel Perón, his second wife, and then he dies being the president. And then she... He dies while in presidency? Yes. Really? And she she becomes president, Isabel Perón. What? And then, yeah, in the Eva 70s. must have been pissed. Yes, she's in she's in heaven with her sainthood. Can being you like imagine that yes. bitch? <laughs> <laughs> but listen, this is what she sends to Isabel: a military coup. Really? So, so a, a, a dictatorship. A, yeah, when Isabel is aha uh, overthrows her, and it's a very dark time in Argentina. This oh my gosh! Dictatorship. How scary. Yeah, awful, awful, and people disappeared. People were murdered. Horrible. And then they wrote Kiss of the Spider Woman. And the, yeah. 
Wow. Yes. It was a time where a lot of Latin American countries were um, going through dictatorships, military dictatorships. Wow, that's right. crazy. How and then we, we regained democracy in the 80s with Alfonsín. Okay. Mm-hmm. Wow. Javier, thank you so much for doing this with me. This was really, thank really cool. Thank you for having me. What I'm walking away with is, number one, a new appreciation and understanding for your country and uh, history. So thank you for that. I feel like my world just got bigger and smaller at the same time. And I'm also grateful that this complex musical is about a complex woman for any of its faults or what it's missing in terms of a nuanced discussion about her achievements. I think it's a real landmark in, in musical theater and in the world's history as well. I really, really appreciate you being here. As always, if you have recommendations for shows you'd like us to cover on a musical theater podcast, you can always email me at a musical podcast at gmail.com. Be sure to follow us on social media, Twitter and Instagram at a musical podcast for more great content. If you want to support the show, the best way to do it is honestly by giving us a nice review. If you want to even go further with that, subscribe to Patreon exclamation point, where for only $1 a month, you can fund the regular show as well as receive exclusive content uh, as a thank you. Be sure to follow Javier on social media on both Instagram and Twitter at Javier Manente. That's J-A-V-I-E-R-M-A-N-E-N-T-E. And if you find yourself in Mexico City during the fall, be sure to check him out in a very special project. I have no doubt he will be announcing very soon. Uh, I'll put all of those links in the show notes as well as a couple of the books that I kept referencing throughout this episode. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And uh, remember... Don't cry for her, Argentina. Just don't. Don't do it. Please. If we've learned anything from this musical, don't cry for her, Argentina. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.